Hi, welcome to episode 475 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott. And if you ask Siri what the best podcast is, she'll say it's the Fantastic Forecast. No, I don't. Oh, yes? Yes, she does. No, really. I don't say that. I'm pretty sure she does. I've never said that. Well, just ask Siri and she'll say it. I usually tell people it is the worst podcast. The Fantastic Forecast is a giant piece of crap. Well, you just shut the hell up about it, okay? Just shut up. Go to hell. Today, it's Fantastic Four, Annual 31, from the year 2001. The Devil You Know, by co-plotters Carlos Pacheco and Rafael Marin, scripter Jeff Loeb, and penciler Kevin McGuire. A flaming comet hurtles through deep space and arrives at Earth. It enters the atmosphere and speeds right toward, take a wild guess, right toward a small island off the coast of New Jersey, an island we call Manhattan. The smoke clears there on Broadway, and the stunned citizens see the head of Galactus. Only the head is a skeleton head in, in a big purple helmet. The FF arrive on the scene, along with Namorita and Damage Control, who report that no one seems to be hurt. I don't know how a giant Galactus head didn't crush at least a few people, but it doesn't. Reed runs some scans and determines that this dead Galactus head isn't the head of the Galactus they know. This is the head of a Galactus from another universe that was murdered and sent to Earth for reasons unknown. Suddenly, the head cracks open and light spills out. They look inside, and it's Nova, Johnny's ex-girlfriend, Frankie Ray. Johnny says, but she can't be here. And Namorita says, clearly this was more than just a one-night stand. Is that what Johnny told her? Is Johnny dating Namorita anyway, and did he tell her that Frankie Ray was only a one-night stand? And if so, why would he tell her that? You don't want to tell your current girlfriend that your ex-girlfriend was a one-night stand. A one-night st oh, crazy. Reed says that she seems to be in some kind of inert state, possibly a coma, and he has to take her back to the Baxter building. And then, the Hulk shows up. And I love Kevin McGuire, but at this point, it looks like they're in, in the middle of a desert? In the middle of Manhattan. It's not a very good job with this scene. Hulk seems to be intelligent at this point, and he approaches the giant head. He walks up to the thing, who's wearing goggles for some reason. Everyone in the FF seems to be wearing goggles. And the Hulk says, boo, and punches Ben. And then he starts fighting with Johnny, and Reed tries to wrap up the Hulk. And Reed says, they're not here to fight with the Hulk. Sue puts up a force field around Hulk's head to cut off his oxygen to calm him down. Hulk seems confused, and he says, clearly, this merits further study. And then he jumps away. Sue looks at Reed and says, I don't think he's in Kansas anymore. Oh, I hate that overused stupid phrase. And just a few issues ago, I praised the writers for having the character who is actually from Kansas, and he didn't use that phrase. And here they use it, and it makes no freaking sense at all. Even Reed seems confused. He's like, Kansas? So later, they've taken Nova back to the Baxter building to be studied. But then she wakes up, and bust the medical contraptions that she was attached to, and she says, You cannot stop me from my mission, or the universe will die. But then, she sees Johnny, 
and says, I thought you died with the rest. Reed gives her a sedative and says that she clearly is not the Nova from their universe. I've never stopped loving you, she says as she falls asleep. Reed says the situation is dire. They need to go to the moon. The FF leave Namorita behind to watch over Nova. Namorita grumbles and says, I've never stopped loving you. Ugh. Clearly, Johnny needs to dump her. She's just too jealous. You don't need that. So the FF take a rocket to the moon, the blue area of the moon, the home of the Watcher. Ben says it's awfully quiet. They should have called first. Uh, doesn't the Watcher watch everything? He should know they're on their way. So they break in and they find the Watcher, who's sitting there, crying. And he says, Do I know you? More importantly, do you know me? I don't know who I am. I think he's been watching another real-world marathon and it's warped his brain. So Reed starts messing with the computer systems trying to find out what happened and why the Watcher lost his memories. Ben notices that the Watcher usually has some round cosmic doohickey around his neck, but now half of it is missing. Meanwhile, elsewhere, we finally catch up with young Franklin and teenaged Valeria, and they're both running for their lives. There's a giant shadow of whoever it is that's chasing them, and like a dumb horny teenager in a horror movie, Valeria trips and falls down, which is good news for me because whoever this giant shadow belongs to, I'm rooting for him to step on her and crush her. The mysterious person, creature, whatever it is, closes in on Valeria and seemingly burns her alive. And he laughs. And I laugh too. I like that. I'm all for terrible, annoying fictional characters dying in painful, agonizing ways. If Jar Jar Binks has a horrible death in The Force Awakens, I will be buying a hundred tickets. Back at the Baxter building, Reed has given up on helping the Watcher. He's got more important things to worry about. He gets a call from the President of the United States. And... It's President Hillary Clinton. Maybe this story takes place in an alternate future. Or just the future. She tells Reed that they have reports from all over the world about buildings and people shifting radically. And if anyone knows anything about shifting radically, it's Hillary Clinton. After the call, Reed theorizes that different alternate realities, alternate worlds, are merging together. You could say it's kind of a crisis on infinite... Okay, I won't say that. Namorita pops into the room, looking like she's just had a date with Bill Cosby, and she says to Johnny, I tried to stop her, but your ex-gal pal just blew out of here like a house on fire. So they all head back out, trying to find Nova. But they get attacked by the Hulk again, and he's got friends in a group called the Law Enforcement Squad, which is the worst superhero team name since Generation X. I mean, come on, did they really expect that they could publish a comic book about a group of young mutants and a team called Generation X for very long? So this team consists of the Shroud, the Rose, Bucky Barnes, Dr. Druid, Captain Universe, the Wizard, Namora, Living Lightning, Red Raven, and Battling Jack. Or is that Daredevil? Or is it Daredevil's dad? Either way, despite the name... It's a pretty crazy superhero team. I'd buy a Law Enforcement Squad comic book. Even Ben says they gotta work on that name. Living Lightning zaps Ben with a, you know, lightning. Dr. Druid conjures up some weird creatures to attack Reed. The Shroud tries to cover Sue, 
with with a shroud, and Johnny gets attacked by the wizard. I don't know why he's so pissed off at Johnny. He says to Johnny, like, you're in trouble. I guess he just wants to show Johnny who's number one. You know, he's punching Johnny, but he's really just piddling around. He'll probably keep going until his tank is empty. Okay, I think I'm done. So Nova saves Johnny by shooting the wizard in the back. And then, Namorita goes over and punches Nova in the face. Like, hey, whose side is she on? So the SS and the law enforcement squad, I'll call them LESS for short, appropriate acronym, continue to fight, and eventually Nova starts spouting off something about a guy named Abraxas, and she's going to town beating up the folks from LESS. And Reed asks Johnny to find out what Nova knows about Abraxas. I think I used something called Abraxas wants to get rid of my jock itch. Johnny tries to get Nova to calm down, and she says, If you stand against me, then you stand for Abraxas. He says he doesn't stand for anything except for himself. Eventually, Dr. Druid realizes that the Fantastic Four aren't the enemy, and he tells the Hulk to get everyone to stop. Johnny, meanwhile, is dealing with a crazy Nova, and he tells her, You're real, and you're here, and we won't abandon you. I promise. I wouldn't hold Johnny to that. Meanwhile, trying to figure out what's going on, Dr. Druid and Reed jump into some kind of portal to another dimension, filled with floating rocks and another Captain Universe, who goes on to talk about the creation of the universe and how the universe is thought to be boundless and there is, was, an end. And in response, the cosmic being Eternity was created. And there are multiple Eternities for multiple universes. And within each Eternity... There is chaos and order, of which the balance is being upset now. Reed asks if Eternity was expecting them, and Captain Universe heads into this yellow ball of light and asks Reed and Dr. Druid to follow him, which they do. Inside, they find this cosmic being. He's light green, wearing kind of like a toga. He looks like a male version of the Statue of Liberty without the headdress. This being is Abraxas, and he has half of the Watcher's cosmic doohickey, and clearly... This was the guy who was chasing after Valeria and Franklin earlier. And Abraxas is standing on a pile of bodies of dead Galactuses. Or is the plural of Galactuses, Galacti. He immediately sends Reed and du Druid back to Earth to rejoin the others, who have stopped fighting, and they look up and they see in the sky, in flaming letters, and it says, I am coming. Coming with an O. Reed tells everyone they're dealing with a being of enormous godlike powers called Abraxas. Nova apologizes for freaking out earlier, saying that she, her head feels better now. And back in an alternate world called Haven, where Reed and Sue stuck Franklin and Valeria, Franklin wakes up from a bad dream. He runs into another room and finds Valeria still alive. Of course, in my opinion, the reality where Valeria is still alive is a bad dream. Franklin hugs her and says he wants to go home, and she replies... Okay, kiddo. Okay. that That's just what we're going to do. And that is the end of the annual to be continued in Fantastic Four, Volume 3, Number 46. But first, a backup story. Dragon Man for All Seasons by Jeff Loeb and Lionel Francis Yu. And it starts with Ben Grimm, the Thing, in a grassy field, with Dragon Man flying above him, breathing fire down on the Thing. Ben has a cable attached to the beast, and he says, We're having a coming home for a party for my nephew, Franklin. 
and you're the surprise entertainment. Is that such a good idea? What kid would want to have a deadly fire-breathing monster at his party? Well, Franklin, obviously. But he's already been psychologically screwed up for life, so why not? Dragon Man is putting up a fight, so it is clobbering time as Ben smacks the, guy, the creature around a little bit. But then, he gets a good look into Dragon Man's big, sad eyes, and Ben starts to feel like a dick. He decides to leave Dragon Man alone, and maybe get the kid a clown or something else instead. A clown? As if the kid hasn't been psychologically damaged enough. Ben gets on his little ship and he flies away, leaving Dragon Man alone. And that is the end of one of the most pointless little stories ever. And the end of this Fantastic Four annual, which brings us to... Hi, welcome to the Fantastic Forecast, episode 475, part 2. Today, it's Fantastic Four, volume 3, number 46, a.k.a. Fantastic Four, 475, from October 2001. It's Too Late to Stop Now, by co-plotters Carlos Pacheco and Rafael Marin, scripter Jeff Loeb, and another guest artist, Jeff Johnson. The issue begins at the police headquarters of the Special Force... Code Blue. Wow. Damage Control and Code Blue. Pacheco and Marin are really trotting out some of the lamer Marvel concepts, aren't they? Someone from Code Blue is on the phone with the mayor, saying that the Fantastic Four just carted off a giant dead Galactus head out of Times Square, and the Avengers are dealing with a situation where the United Nations building just blew up. Oh shit! The United Nations building too? Oh, this is not a good time for New York City buildings. Reed and Sue are led into a back room where they find Franklin and Valeria. Valeria says they arrived back in this universe and went looking for the FF in Times Square and got picked up by Code Blue. Reed tells Franklin that he's been working on a particle beam accelerator. And Franklin asks, What's a part of a beam for later mean? I kind of like it when Franklin isn't so bright. The four of them get into the Fantastic Four flying bathtub and head home. While in the air, they look down and notice a strange mist spreading over the city. It kind of looks like smoke from a couple of collapsed buildings making its way through the city, which is kind of creepy. Back at the Baxter building, Johnny's there with Namorita and realizes that his burgeoning acting career is going nowhere now that he's trapped in that suit of armor, which keeps control over his out-of-control flames. I would assume any movie that he makes would require at least one shirtless scene. Namorita says to him, You'll always be a star in my eyes. Nova is looking around, eavesdropping on them, and she says to herself, Sweet Johnny, so much like the Johnny Storm from my world, and yet not. How could you not know that fire and water do not mix? Perhaps when the time is right, someone will have to show you. You know Johnny Storm is so good looking, he gets jealous ex-girlfriends coming at him from other dimensions. Namorita suggests that maybe it's time for her to change her look, and he replies, Are you kidding me? You'd look good in a barrel. He should know. He found her at the bottom of one. She starts to say, Really? Why don't we see if we can find a barrel? And she gets interrupted. What was she going to say? I've got a pretty sick mind, and I can't even imagine what she was about to suggest they do with a barrel. The message over the intercom says, Attention, fantastic car arriving in loading dock 9. Loading dock 9? 9? How many loading docks do they have? At least nine, I suppose. 
Later, the FF get a message from the Star Core space station near the sun saying that they're tracking a meteor shower that's heading their way and it's just past Uranus. You know, the last time I saw meteors coming from Uranus, they weren't meteors. They said the meteors seemed to be maneuvering as if they were sentient. Over with Ben and Franklin, Ben shows Franklin that he can turn back into his normal human self again at will. Ben tells Franklin that now they can play or wrestle whenever they want. This is a textbook definition of creepy uncle. Johnny gives Ben a look like, I'm on to you. So everyone gathers around Reed, who's tracking the anomaly, and Nova says, it's Abraxas. She says that she can sense when a meteor storm isn't really a meteor storm. Yeah, when it's coming out of Uranus. She says that Abraxas is trying to track down and kill creatures from the multiverse who exist in multiple realities at the same time, like her. Franklin says he knows Abraxas. He's seen the dark man who he's seen in his dreams. Next, we see the meteors, which aren't meteors, near Jupiter. And out near Earth's moon, the Silver Surfer has arrived, saying that he will always be there for his friends. Later at the home of the Watcher, the Surfer is meeting with the Fantastic Four, Quasar, the Captain Marvel of 2001, whoever he is, Nova, and that bald chick, Moondragon. Reed puts on a thought projector to show everyone and the readers, who were lucky enough to miss, the 2001 FF Annual. There's the Comet, then the Head of Galactus, the Law Enforcement Squad, and the uh, Watcher losing his memory. So next, we see the Watcher in a coma. Reed also mentions his brief encounter with Abraxas, and Nova tells everyone that he sent the skull of the Galactus, the dead Galactus of her reality, to this universe as an announcement of his coming. Well, it's always nice to give advance notice before you come. That's come with an O. Reed says that Abraxas may also be using that scroll, skull as a homing beacon to navigate the multiverse. Why would he need to use the skull as a homing beacon? If he can send the skull to our universe, why would he need a beacon to direct him to our universe? So, how did he find our universe to send the skull in the first place without a homing beacon? Homing, homing beacon? So Reed has moved the big giant dead head to the moon, just in case Abraxas shows up looking for it. And they can fight on the moon instead of on the middle of, in the middle of Manhattan. Since when is Reed ever worried about having fights in the middle of Manhattan? If that was such a concern, he wouldn't keep putting his headquarters there. A few moments later, the crazy meteors appear, heading right to the blue area of the moon. And Reed yells out, Battle stations, everyone! The meteors land, and they turn into these vicious, hungry, gray creatures in blue suits of armor. Sniff, sniff, fresh meat, one of them exclaims. But they are immediately attacked by the FF and the Cosmic Heroes, and it's clobbering time, as you can imagine. One of them says to the Thing, Die, vile creature. And Sue replies that the only people who can call Ben a vile creature are his own teammates. So the fight rages on for a few pages until Reed realizes that the creatures are after the Watcher. So he sends the Silver Surfer off to protect the Watcher. But once in that other room, the Surfer arrives just in time to see the Watcher swallowed up by some kind of portal and powerful flames fill the room and seemingly burn the surfer good until he is dead. Back with the other heroes, they take care of the other creatures until Abraxas finally appears. But Reed says it's just a wraith. He's trying to taunt the heroes. The apparition of Abraxas disappears and the heroes get together and Johnny says, So, that was the big bad, huh? 
Looked like we held our own. Moondragon reminds them that they lost the Silver Surfer, so I don't think they really held their own. Moondragon scans Johnny's mind, wondering why the creatures tried to attack him. I thought they were attacking everyone. And she learns that Johnny knows the location of the ultimate nullifier, the most powerful weapon in the universe. Reed asks Johnny if he can remember how to get to the ultimate nullifier, and he replies that he can't even remember where he left his car keys that morning. And obviously, he can't remember that the Silver Surfer just died. Reed is worried that if Abraxas reaches the ultimate nullifier first, he can obliterate all the combined realities of the multiverse. Man, this Abraxas seems like a real dick. So Moondragon wants to probe around in Johnny's mind a little more, but he's not too keen on the idea. So Captain Marvel says there may be another way to extricate the information, and he uses his cosmic awareness powers to find out that the Watcher has hidden the ultimate nullifier in one of three places, but he can't tell which one. Reed says he may have split the ultimate nullifier up into three pieces, and they should get back to the Baxter building and figure out what to do next. And later, Reed has figured out that the nullifier is split into three pieces and spread into three different places in the multiverse. Next, Reed tells Johnny that he can't wear his special suit, the one that keeps him from flaming on 24-7, so he has to wear an updated suit for travel through the multiverse. This means the powers to be at Marvel realize how ugly that current suit is, and they come up with another less ugly suit of armor for Johnny to wear. So later, Johnny goes to change, and he comes back with his new suit, which looks like a regular FF uniform, only with a backpack. Reed sends Johnny off on a mission along with Nova, while Reed, Sue, and Ben get to get together and get in a machine that sends them off somewhere else in space and time. And finally, back with Reed and Valeria, and Nay Marita, who's been relegated to being a babysitter, some kind of alarm goes off, and it says, Red security level, all systems. I'm not sure if that's an alarm or what it means. And then back on the blue area of the moon, a statue of a dude in a sheet turns into a Braxis. He looks back at the Earth and laughs, and he says... Vinny, Vidi, Vici, which is Latin for, I came, I saw, I spent $10 at Kmart for this stupid sheet I'm wearing. And that is how this issue ends, to be continued next time. And that's all I have for today. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastsf at gmail.com. You can download other episodes at iTunes or at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over.